Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to this week's message. We are talking about and have been talking about the portals that are actually in the physical world and the portals that are actually designed for us in, in our heart. And this is this is more important than you can ever imagine. You know, I'm not just trying to create uh, interesting preaching here. I am actually trying to create very specific things that the Bible points out that if we don't know it, we will, we will miss major aspects of what we have with God and understanding access to God. Now, we've already talked about the fact that all over the world, there were portals whereby these beings that crossed over from what we would call heaven, which was just another, is just another dimension into planet Earth, that they came through very specific portals. And then we talked about how that uh, uh, eventually the wicked rulers of the world discovered that they could use uh, what they knew about creation to create portals so that they could actually move through dimensions all over the world and travel anywhere in the world almost, uh, uh, almost instantaneous, or maybe it was instantaneous. Now, this is where we get a lot of our theories of... Uh, of ancient aliens. And, you know, we have no reason to believe that there are any ancient aliens. And the sad thing is because of the lies that were taught to the human race by these beings, uh, the human race was convinced that we were conceived by extraterrestrial beings. And that has that all, that information has carried all the way down thousands of years to today. You can turn on the History Channel and you can see that Every single night, uh, someone trying to convince you that there were that there were extraterrestrial beings that are actually the gods of the Bible, and and they're not. And this was this was a demonic, occult, Luciferian attempt to um, influence man forever against the biblical knowledge of God. Now, remember, portals are like wormholes that scientists talk about now. Uh, the difference is in a wormhole, you evidently, I, I've never gone through one, so I don't know, but evidently from what scientists tell us, it, 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 tell, it, it seems to talk about being transported you know, from one place to another. And so we don't know if when they talk about being transported, if they're talking about uh, time and space together. Now, I think the difference between what we know scientifically, which really isn't very much about wormholes, uh, the difference is these, these different dimensions that exist in our universe, when we move through those, through those dimensions, we do not travel through space because once you leave this realm of creation, there is, there is no time and there is no space as we know it. So the difference is we move through these portals and they're opening openings into other dimensions, but but we move instantaneously through those openings. For example, when the rapture comes, I don't, as I understand the language, 
I don't believe it's telling us that we will blast through the air like a, like a missile or like a rocket to go up and to meet Jesus. It seems more that the wording in the original language indicates that we'll be here on planet Earth, and then we will instantaneously be there. There will be no time and space travel that's involved in that. That is just moving from one dimension into another dimension. Now, it's really important that we understand I'm not, again, I'm not grabbing at straws here. I'm not trying to be a sensationalist. This was the kind of thing that I have studied out for decades uh, and wanted to understand it. Because when I see stuff like this, you know, I was reading a book the other night that was talking about some of this stuff. I found, I found a Hebrew, uh, someone who, who spoke Hebrew that was talking about these same, same things. But the problem was when they got to the end of it, you were just impressed with the fact that they had these theories and, these not, and this knowledge. Well, there is nothing that God does in all the universe that isn't designed to, in fact, uh, improve the quality of life that man has. It becomes a part of our dynamic of faith. And so I don't, I don't really, I, I'm not, I don't have any need to impress you with, you know, with my uh, knowledge about these things, but I do want to show you things that are woven through the fabric of the scripture over and over and over again and help you understand how this fits into your connection with God, what it has to do with, with operating faith. Now, let me say this. As many of you, you know, I was the president and founder of Impact International School of Ministry, and we had a residential Bible college here for about 25 years. We still have one online. And, you know, one of the things I used to tell these students is, look, do not try to uh, operate your faith from the obscure. You know, uh, where I went to Bible college, they used to tell us major on the majors, minor on the minors. There are a lot of things are, that are major doctrinally, and we have to hold to those things. And, and if we move from those things, then we're moving from the basis and the foundation of faith. But then there are minor, what we call minor things that are very, very probably true, but they're not going to, what we believe about them is probably not going to greatly affect our relationship with God and how we operate faith. And then, then there are, you know, things that people dive into that really are insignificant. It just really, it just really doesn't matter. So, so unfortunately, we live in an age where people are trying to, uh, in, they're trying to replace faith with information, and they seem to get some really great ego thrill by coming up with things. They're what I call shock shock jockeys. They just want to shock you with some information that you've never heard, but then they never show you how that relates to, does that relate to you having a better relationship with God? Does that improve your faith? Does that anything like that? And so these shock jockeys, what they like to do is they like to either just make stuff up, which they very often do, or they like to go to incredibly obscure scriptures. And when there are obscure scriptures that seem to contradict other scriptures, then I can guarantee you this, you are, you are wrongly translating and interpreting those scriptures because there are no contradictions anywhere in the word of God. And anybody that tries to find some insignificant point uh, and use that to twist and change, uh, you know, the major, major points of the Bible, that person is trying to deceive you and they're trying to impress you and make you think that they have knowledge that you don't have, and they consider that knowledge to be the basis for their anointing. God reveals things over and over and over and over and over again. You know, when you begin to study the end times and the prophecies about the end time, 
if you look at these end time prophecies, many times you will say a prophecy that describes something from this perspective, and then it'll use a different example and it'll describe it from this perspective, and it'll use a different example and prescribe it from this perspective. And it's describing the same thing over and over and over again from different perspectives. God reveals so many things to us in patterns. And, and if there are not, if these patterns are not found throughout the scripture, then very probably you're grasping out a straw. Well, one of the things that is, that is a constant pattern in the scripture is the concept of portals. And, and um, we have seen those throughout the scripture. I've, I've introduced you to a few of them in our audio series that, that goes along with this. For those of you who want to dive a little bit deeper, I'll probably go a little deeper in talking uh, about portals, but really, I've really only scratched the surface. But today's message I call Through the Dalit. Now, the Dalit is the name of one of the Hebrew letters. Now, remember, every Hebrew letter has its own distinct and individual definition. You know, Hebrew is probably, I think it's the only language in the world that every letter has a definition. You know, in English, uh, like my name is Jim, so that's spelled J-I-M. All my name, all J-I-M tells you is how to pronounce my name. It doesn't tell you what that describes. It doesn't tell you anything about who I am. But in the Hebrew, every word not only shows you how to pronounce that word, but it also shows you the meaning of that word, and it shows you all kinds of dimensions of, of that word. You know, the ancient Hebrew teachers, they believed that when the Messiah came, that he would teach us the meaning of every letter, the space between the letters, and everything about every word in Hebrew. Well, they don't realize the Messiah has come, and they don't realize that we have an incredible understanding of the letters, the spaces between the letters, and how they are actually used to understand the Word of God. So I want to look at the first five letters of the Hebrew alphabet, the Aleph, the Bet, the Gimel, the Dalit, and the Hay. And what I'm showing you is a principle that God uses, and He gives us the pattern for this over and over and over again, although He may reveal that pattern to us in various different ways. By the way, I, I mentioned the uh, the uh, six uh, audio message series that you can download right now if you want to dive deeper than that and you want to start studying at a diff whole different level. And if you're looking for implementation more than you're looking for everything else. Now, in, in the past 50, 60 years, and really you could go on back into early Pentecost, I'm not, I'm not knocking these groups of people or these denominations but uh, each, each group operates to the degree uh, of understanding that they have about the Scripture. Now, the sad thing is, at some point in time, they take those things that they know and those things that they operate in, they say, this is it, there is no more, this is our doctrine. And so they try to take an infinite God and box him and reduce him down to a finite set of doctrinal concepts. And, and, and so, so really, they limit what they can experience of God for the rest of their lives and for the rest of the history of that particular denomination or that particular group. You know, uh, uh, we understand that Luther changed his doctrine several times throughout what we call the Reformation. 
And if now if he had died before those changes were made, then the followers of Luther, who unfortunately so many times people become followers of the man who starts the organization, they don't follow God to see how the organization can serve the kingdom of God. And so if Luther had died early, there would be many dimensions of his doctrine that the church never would have seen, never would have heard. Well, you come forward with that, and you can look at every pioneer in in the last hundred years, and unless they're ego-driven, now people who are ego-driven, they never want to admit that they've made adjustments in their beliefs because that would imply that and suggest that they were maybe wrong before and they can't, their ego can't bear that. So there are a lot of people that you never know when they make these changes and they never admit that they make these changes. But the real truth is there've been a lot of great men and women of God that you look at their ministerial history and you see that maybe over a 50 or 60, 70 year period of time, they made a lot of adjustments in what they believe. They may not have made great big adjustments, But the point is this, they made those adjustments, uh, and if they hadn't, then their followers who followed them more than they followed God would have reached the place and said, that's it. This is what he believed when he died. This is all of it. We don't need to know anymore. This is our club. This is our denomination. And so so here here we are, and this is as far as we're going. Well, God is an infinite God. We will never know all that there is about God. But the great thing is, contrary to what the Gnostics said, Contrary to what the Muslims say, uh, God is not unknowable. He is not beyond knowing. And God delights in revealing himself to his people. He wants us to know him so that we can have this meaningful relationship. So again, God will, God will, he will show us dozen different models of something so that we can grasp on a broader scale than just one example what those things mean to us. So the Hebrew alphabet, again, Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet, Hey, those are for the first five letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And so one of the principles to the Hebrew alphabet, if you understand the meaning of every letter in the Hebrew alphabet, you start realizing that you are following a storyline or a model or an example of what it looks like when we pursue God with all of our heart. And the very last, very last letter in the Hebrew alphabet is the Tau, which is a truth. And it's, not, it's a truth that is beyond information. It is a truth about living it, experiencing it, knowing it, knowing the God of the truth. You know, it, it is multidimensional. So I want to walk through here, and I want to show you the principle of the Dalit. Now, all the other way, or excuse me, of the portal, and so all of the other ways so far that we have talked about portals, we've talked more about external portals. But remember, and I shared this with you, I think, in the last message, uh, God is a microcosm, macrocosm God, which means, uh, you know, that creation is a, is a reflection of who God is. Really, creation would be a microcosm, probably of who God is, because God's bigger than creation. He is not limited to creation. Creation is a macrocosm of what goes on within us and, and specifically within our heart. That's why when I, when I created my heart program, which by the way, I started the very, I mean, I mean that probably the week I got saved, I started learning 
of what the heart was and learning to do heart work. And I have made this whole journey uh, by reading the Bible, praying, seeking Jesus with all of my heart and doing heart work. When I have failed, when I have made mistakes, when I have committed sins, I got it. I dealt with it at a heart level. I did not deal with it at an intellectual or informational level. And so that's why I pretty consistently, you know, made this journey. Yeah, I've had my bumps in the road. I've had my personal failures. I don't deny any of them. But the recovery is what happens in your heart. So the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet is the olive. Now, I love the olive because the olive uh, is a picture of, of what's called a U, looks like a little, looks like a little apostrophe, and a vav, which is the which is the letter for man, and then another U beneath the vav. And so the concept of, of the olive is unity, and it's the, and it is the idea that man harmonizes heaven and earth because God gave us authority here on heaven. Now it means a lot more than that. I'm just I mean, these letters have multidimensional definitions and concepts, but it is man's responsibility to harmonize heaven and earth. And if man does not do it, it does not happen because God gave authority to man. And so, so we want to begin everything that we do with God in, in the pursuit of righteousness. And righteousness, as much as anything, if you don't understand the concepts of harmony, you will never understand the concepts of righteousness because righteousness is not about using your willpower to obey rules and regulations. And I was reading something the other day, and this great, I mean, this great minister had, had, has done great work. Let's talk about how when we got saved, we got a new willpower. Well, that's not really exactly right. When our character changes, then willpower becomes used in a different way. But if we're doing what we're doing by willpower, then we're not experiencing the grace of God because now we're doing what we're doing by our strength and by our capability. So we're so, but we need in every situation, if we're going to walk in good and evil, evil from God's perspective, the word good always has to do with harmony. It's, it's, ple- it's about something that's pleasing and pleasant and enjoyable, but it is only pleasing, pleasant, enjoyable because it is in harmony with God. So I realize that every single word that God has ever said is a word that is teaching me the character traits that will, that will cause me to always move in harmony with Jesus. And, uh, and that's what I want to do. I don't want to move outside of harmony with Jesus because the other, you know, there's the knowledge of good and evil. And like I say, good is pleasing, pleasant, desirable, but you can, you can enjoy something that's pleasing, pleasant, and desirable to your flesh. And at the end of it is death. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to man, but the end of it is death. So I don't want to end up out of harmony with God. And so good will, is, when, is when you're choosing something and, and you're surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus, and you're, but you're always seeking more than any other thing to stay in harmony with God. Evil is not just the fact that it is, that it is wicked, even though it is wicked, but evil gets into the whole concept of confusion, chaos, contradiction. You know, good gets into light, uh, good, and evil gets into darkness, and light and darkness have to do with our ability to perceive things, to see things, to understand things. And so the more we get out of harmony with God, the more we go into darkness and the less we truly understand the word of God, the less we understand what God is saying to us, what he's trying to do in our life. So every 
Everything we do in our life needs to start with the Allah, the intention to harmonize heaven and earth based on what Jesus taught. And not based on your doctrine, not based on your church's doctrine, but based on the teaching, the example, the ministry, the way Jesus modeled treating people, and then ultimately what he accomplished is death, burial, and resurrection. So then the second letter is the bet. Now, the bet can, can be a picture of someone's house, but it can also be a picture of someone's heart because your house is your heart. Uh, in other words, the condition of your house, so to speak, when Jesus talks about building your house on the rock, he is not talking about building your physical house. He's talking about your heart, what you're doing, what's happening in your heart. So, so we realize this desire and this intention to, to harmonize heaven and earth. It, this is something that has to happen in our heart. And we'll, we're going to talk more about this. And uh, man, this is running all, right, all the way up past Thanksgiving now. So I'm probably going to go longer in this because, you know, my goal here is to give you everything that you're going to need to be able to implement this stuff in your life and then even make the audio series so that it supports it and even takes your father. I'm trying to get, I give you everything free that I can. And then I always take something for people who want to go a little deeper, a little more consistent and, uh, and, and who are really committed to becoming disciples. So we understand that the only way to have a harmonized heaven and earth it's not through our behaviors, not through force. It's not through our willpower. It's not through any of these things. It, it starts with harmonizing our heart. Remember, the heart is the seat of your identity. The heart is the seat of all of your beliefs. So in my heart, this has to be real in my heart or it's not real. It's just fake. It's just religion. It's just ceremony. It's just effort or whatever, but it is not real and it's not pleasing or acceptable to God. So when my heart is seeking to harmonize heaven and earth. Then the gimel, you know, the gimel is a, is a picture, by the way, it can be a picture of a camel because uh, with the camel, you can take resources to people and you can rescue those people and you can help them and you can take them what they need to actually uh, save their lives. So if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm harmonizing heaven and earth, and this is coming from my heart, then I'm going to have a heart filled with loving kindness. I'm going to have a heart that is desirous to help people. Now, I'm not talking about a humanistic heart. I am not talking about where you, uh, uh, you know, where you violate words, the word of God, where you are a codependent enabler, where you do for people what they should do for themselves. Because one of the warnings that comes with the gimel is not to help people in a way that actually destroys them. So the gimel is where, is where your heart, for, because you want everybody to harmonize with heaven and earth. And, you know, one of the things that heaven has already established based on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is God wants you to have an incredible life. He wants you to have the very best. He wants you to enjoy life to its fullest. That's what, that's what eternal life is, is a life that, that enjoys life to the fullest, that experiences all the life of God that we receive through the Lord Jesus Christ. So the gimel moves beyond. You know, this is one of the things where, where the the Word of Faith, which I, man, I got so much benefit out of the Word of Faith. I don't mean to sound like I'm trying to be critical, but one of the things that people did with the Word of Faith, movement, I don't think Brother Hagin meant this. I don't think any of the early pioneers meant this, but basically so much of the Word of Faith movement turned into a big old selfish indulgent quest, and faith was all about me getting stuff and getting more stuff and, 
And really, for, for the longest, I think the word of faith has changed in a lot in, in recent years. But for the longest, the word of faith was not missions-based. It wasn't evangelism-based. It wasn't, you know, wanted to see great healings out of the altar call. But again, that just got down to taking care of you. It didn't have anything to do with taking that to other people. So for decades, the word of faith was much like the Church of Christ. You know, the Church of Christ, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the primary institution for training Church of Christ preachers is just about 45 minutes from here. And so, man, we got Church of Christ everywhere. And so one of the interesting things you see in the Southeast is uh, when the Baptists would come in and they were very evangelism driven, they would come in, they would start churches. And when a, when a Baptist church started to succeed, right across the street or right next door, a Church of Christ would be built. Now, the Church of Christ had no interest in doing evangelism. The Church of Christ was there to proselyte Baptists and convert them to their beliefs and bring them into the Church of Christ. Well, you know, for the longest, the Pentecostals, the Charismatics, and even the Word of Faith, they were more interested in getting people to speak in tongues than they were in winning the laws or reaching the world. Now, I'm not saying it's that way now, and I'm not saying I am, man, I'll tell you some of the greatest soul winners I know came out of the Word of Faith movement. So I'm not talking about everybody, but I'm saying that kind of was what happened in, in general. So the Gimel is the loving kindness. So when we want to harmonize ourselves and the world with God, and you always start, anything you want to happen in the world, if you want to be real, it has to happen in you first. If you're always looking at whatever needs to change with everybody else, uh, you are missing what this is about. So, so then the next Hebrew letter is the Dalit. Now, the Dalit looks like a picture of a door on a hinge. And so the Dalit represents a portal. It represents entering through this. And the people who have the heart to enter in this are the people who, who are operating from the Aleph, the Bet, and the Gimel. They want to harmonize, they want to harmonize heaven and earth. They, they're doing this from their heart. It's starting with them. They're taking it to the world. Loving kindness is pouring out of them. They're ministering to other people. And suddenly they get this understanding that there is a portal. There is something that they can pass through that will take them inwardly to another dimension. And so when people go through the Dalit, this, this doorway, that's, this opens up the letter Hey. Now, the letter Hey is a, is a very, very interesting letter because the letter Hey uh, represents, uh, represents uh, really what Jesus was talking about when he talked about going through the eye of the needle. It's talking about entering into a place that very few people ever have the heart to go. But the Hey represents the breath of God. And the breath of God uh, is what God did when he, when he packed together some, some uh, dust of the earth, which is primarily minerals. And so there was, there was a physical body that had no life in it. And God breathed into man the breath of life. And the breath of life is where God brings life out of nothing. And so suddenly a, a lump of clay turned into a man. And because that came from the breath of God. It was a man in the likeness and the image of God. Now, anytime we have our back to the wall, anytime we can't, you can't seem to make it, we're down and out. What we have to do is we have to go back through this portal in our heart into the hay, into the presence of God, 
where God breathes new breath into us and we have a resurrection from the death. It may be the death of sin. It may be the death of pain. It may be the death of sorrow. It may be the death of heartache. But when God breathes life into it, you have a resurrection. And I'm going to talk more about that. We're out of time. Now, listen, be sure and share this with people that are struggling because there's always hope. We can always connect with God and experience a new life, a new resurrection. So be sure and check it out, Impact Ministries. Be sure and download your six-message series that supports this. God bless you. I'm going to be talking to you again next week. I hope you enjoy this. I hope you will listen to this a dozen times. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.